So welcome to Church on the North Coast today. Uh, if this is your first time, I want to welcome you. There's a QR code that they'll put up there. That's how you get all connected here at Church on the North Coast, and you can uh, kind of figure out what's happening. Uh, if, you're, if you're married, we would just love to have you be a part of the Rated R Conference. That's coming up real soon. There's limited seating for that, so we would, we would love to have you be a part of that. It's going to be a fun time in, in the Lord. Um, this is kind of part two of covenants and contracts that I preached did I preach that last week? I, I, I get lost. And so covenants and contracts, this, this will be part two. Today we'll talk about the covenant of identity, the covenant of memorial stones, and the, and the covenant of family. And uh, if you have your Bible, go with me. Uh, go with me. Let's start in, how about we start in, in Genesis 32, where Jacob is wrestling with God. Uh, Jacob's wrestling with God and and uh, as he's wrestling with God, uh, he, uh, God's got him in a headlock, and, and uh, God will do that to you, you know. If you persist in, in keeping the identity of the old nature, you know God will put you in a headlock. He will. He'll put you in a headlock. He'll wrestle with you, and he'll, he'll mess you up. He'll mess you up to the point where you won't walk the same anymore. And this is where Jacob is. Jacob's in a, in a wrestling match with God over his old nature. And, and they're wrestling, and, and Jacob, you know, God says, could you imagine wrestling with God? I mean, you gotta, you got to feel some kind of way. I mean, Jacob, Jacob's strong. Your old nature's strong. It'll, it'll, it'll wrestle with God. Jacob's wrestling with God. And God says, you got to let me go. I'm not, I'm not doing this with you. you got to let me go. And he said, I'm not letting you go. And he said, listen, let me go. And he said, I'm not letting you go. I'm tired of living this life. How many are tired of living this life? You get tired enough of living this life, you'll get to wrestling with God. Jacob wrestled with God. And he said, okay, all right, you get it. And he changes his name. Right there in that moment, he wrestles with God, and God changes his name. You know this happens all through the Bible. This happens all through the Bible. Well, God will change someone's name. He did it to Paul, formerly known as Saul. He kicks him off a horse, has this ex incredible experience. God will kick you off a horse, too. But I think I was named... I think I was named after uh, Troy Donahue. I think I was. I don't know much about him, but he, I think he was like this old, uh, he, like the, he was like the, what's it, like the Oprah Winfrey of his day or something. You know what I mean? I don't, no disrespect. You know what I mean? I, you know, <laughs> but he's kind of like, you know, kind of like the Oprah Winfrey. But I don't, I don't take any identity in Troy Donahue, Right? I take my identity. So your name is how you identify yourself. So as we, as we prayed over Raylan this morning, we were establishing the identity of God. And my question is, like, how do you identify yourself? In a world, in a world that's trying to form you 
into its identity. Say these names with me. Shadrach. Tell me their real names. Because that's not my name. You know those names are from Babylon? Those names are from captivity. Those are enslaved names. Those are names that came from Babylon. And do you know that this world is attempting to put its identity on you? That's why it's so important to grab hold of our children and say, no, you are not what they call you. You will not assume the identity of the most popular wave in pop culture. You will not assume the identity of this world. You will know that you're a boy. You will know that you're a girl. You will know for why you were called. You will know exactly why you were formed in fashion. Their real names were Hananiah, Azariah. Right? And Michelle, yeah. I wrote them down there because I forgot them too. <laughs> but I've had, have you ever had the world try to name you? Try to shove you in its box and try to make you form and, and, and become the identity that they want you to become? It's so prevalent right now. You turn on the TV, they, they want the identity of Babylon on you. You turn on the radio, they, they want the identity of Babylon. Here's what, here's what we need to determine in 2023. You can call me what you want, but I only answer to the identity of my father. Amen? Because it was the identity of the father that enabled them to be in the fire and be not burned. It was the identity of their father that allowed Daniel to go into the lion's den and not be eaten by the lion. It was the identity of the father on their life that rescued them from peril. And it will be the identity of the father on your life that will pull you out of whatever situation you find yourself into. I close with this. There's this story of... Jacob, the one who wrestled with God, and God changed his name. He said he's wrestled with God, and God changes his name because he can't have you identifying with who you used to be. And a lot of us, you know, we tend to do that. We have this proclivity to identify with who we used to be. I was on the highway yesterday. Me and Marlon were riding. We were riding Harley. Marlon got a Harley. Pastor Marlon. So I was like, cool, let's ride. You know, we're riding. It was cold, a little bit. We're riding. And, and I look in my rear view mirror. And as I look in my rear view mirror, yo, man, you, you, can't, you, you can't get mad at me for this, all right? So I look in my rear view mirror, and this dude is behind Marlon, like way up on him. And I, I, my old nature came up. Jacob's in there. He's strong. So I told Marlon, I waved Marlon around me, and I dropped back. And I pulled up next to the car. I pulled up real next to the car, looked at him. And then, and then I heard the Lord say, that's not your nature anymore. <laughs> but, but, but my old nature wanted to, you know, it, it wants to get down. My old nature wanted to pull off the side of the road, follow him, say, you don't do my boy like that. You, don't, you know, but the Lord said, that, that's not, you're not Jacob anymore. Remember Remember, you're not Jacob anymore. I called you Israel. 
And you know, God will always call you what he calls from you. He called, he called him Abram, but then he changed his name to Abraham. And he said, out of you will come millions and millions of sons and daughters of God. So God will call you what he calls from you. So his identity in you places a demand upon you. This Jacob, he's sitting next to his wife in the, in the, in the room. They're giving birth to their son. And as Rachel's in anguish, she cries out as she gives birth and dies. And from her anguish and pain, she calls her son Ben-Ani, son of sorrow. If you're not careful, you'll put an identity on what you're birthing and what you're conceiving. Jacob hears this, and he has been plagued his whole life with an identity. He had an identity crisis. He steps forward and says, no, you're not going to call my son that. And he names his son Benjamin, son of my right hand, son of my strength. It's important to know that in the moments of our sorrow and distress that God intervenes. The Father above intervenes and says, no, I won't allow you to name your life, to identify your life with sorrow or suffering or pain or affliction or rejection or shame. I won't allow what you're going through to define you for the rest of your life. He won't allow even the world to put you in a corner and label you that. He intervenes for you and he steps up and he says, no, this is the son of my strength. This is the son of my right hand. He intervenes in our weakest moments for us, and he puts his identity back on us. Can you give him thanks for that today? Thank you, God, for doing that. So having baby dedications up here, looking over this and, and getting preparing for the baby dedications, Holy Spirit reminded me, and he has such a powerful, loving fatherly way to remind us of of who we are and what we've done and what he's done and so he reminded me remember when you dedicated your kids they belong to me so when he's doing that you're dedicating them but you know what he's reminding you of of his promises in the middle of it in the middle of, of all of that. And so when, when things happen, when they grow up and they're, they're not walking where they should be, they're not walking with the Lord, or, or maybe you're just so worried and concerned about them, Holy Spirit's saying, now remember, you dedicated them to me, and they belong to me. They belong to me. And in Joshua 4, 21 through 24, what do these stones mean? God wants us to remember he wants us to remember his faithful promises, his miracle working power. And Joshua 4, 21 through 24, it said, He said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in the time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know 
Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until he had crossed, so that all the peoples of the earth may know without any doubt and acknowledge that the hand of the Lord is mighty and extraordinarily powerful, so that you will fear the Lord your God and obey and worship him with profound awe and reverence forever." Look back at um, verse 21. It says, when your children ask their fathers, they're going to ask. There'll be a time when Raylan will ask you. She will ask, what do these stones mean? What do these mean to you? And, And as all of you helped dedicate and prayed over this sweet baby girl and all the other children that we've dedicated in this house, we're also who they're going to look to and say, what do these stones mean to you? It's important for us to walk in God's power. They need to see what it means to our life. They need to see God's victory in our life. They need to see God's power, that covenant promise, walking in in our life and walking that out. There'll be a time that comes that they will ask, what do they mean? as a memorial and monument, visible reminders to the coming generations of the power of God. And so number one, they will ask. They're going to ask you. It says right here, the time will come when they ask. Number two, let them know. Verse 22 says, then you shall let your children know. Let them know about the miracles, the power working miracles that God has done in your life. You know that there's testimony in that. There's God's promises, covenant promises in that. There's covenant promises. And so when they went back and they crossed the Jordan and they had to go get those rocks and and he dried up the Jordan and they walked through on, on dry ground, it was for them, but it wasn't just for them. It was for the whole earth to see and acknowledge the power of of a living, real, covenant, promise, God that we serve, that we have, and that we hold on to. And so when um, my dad, about five years ago, and I think it was five years about to this date that I'm I'm remembering now in about February, that we found out that he was um, diagnosed with bladder cancer. And so when the, the first time I heard, I'm like, no, that's not real. Like your mind just gets so foggy. And so maybe some of you have, have dealt with, with um, situations like this or phone calls like this or and not just like sicknesses, but just pain in your family, um, just like trauma in your family and, and things that happen where you're like, no, that's not, you know, and the devil brings confusion. But I just remember feeling like cloudy and confusion, but saying no. That's, that's not allowed. That's not allowed in, in, this, in our family. That's not allowed in his body. That cancer has to go. And so remembering that and then afterwards, afterwards, having that, that testimony of God's promises, his covenant promises, we have, a, it just came up in my mind. God was remem- reminding me of all of these, these promises that he has fulfilled in our life and the covenant promises. And so he was on the boat and, and he sent us a video all of us kids, he said he was bragging a little bit about the sunshine and the nice weather and, you know, we're in the cold. But we got sunshine today, so hey, right? So he, he sent us a video of him dancing on the boat and he was, he was everything's going to be 
all right. And it was like this country song. I don't know the whole thing, but it's, it's just it's repeating over and over. And he was dancing because he was healed. He was healed. He went through it, and that covenant promise of God's healing brought him through. And so he was dancing in victory. And so if you're dealing with something like that today, I want you to know that these stones mean something. This is a covenant promise that you have to hold on to, that everything will be all right. And when your children ask you, when other people ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You're going to be able to tell them of God's victories, of God's promises. Remember when God did this for me. Remember when. Let me show you. Let me remind you. I know it hurts right now, and I know you're going through a lot of pain right now, but let me remind you who you are in Jesus. Let me remind you. Let my life be an example of God's faithfulness when your children ask and when they come to you. Let them know. As a sign, number three, a sign. The visible illustration that your life can speak to others. Your life can be a visible illustration. How powerful is that? That we can walk around and show other people God's power, his covenant promises, what he is working through in our life, and his faithfulness to throughout generations. Um, and having that image in my mind, remembering God's promises. I remember, so our little, our little boy, Masi, and his, his great, 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 I think there's three greats, maybe four, <laughs> grandparents, Jim and Elizabeth Johnson, they've gone on to be with the Lord. He would have been 100, I think, this February. But they've gone on only about five years ago, so his grandfather got to help dedicate him to the Lord also, which is pretty powerful. But she was a prayer warrior, and her prayers are still being answered to this day because she prayed for her grandkids, and he was put into our life, and that will live on. That will live on. God's covenant promises are real, so your prayers are being answered. Yeah, he's right there. There's a covenant promise, a visible illustration, <laughs> a visible illustration for you of God's faithful promises. So number four, build it. The stones matter, church. The stones matter. It might be work. It might be hard. It might be messy. When they had to go back and pick up the stones out of the Jordan, I always imagined it being these little rocks, but I, I, they were big boulders that they took out of the Jordan. That probably was hard work, right? So there's going to be sleepless nights. I'm sure you've already experienced sleepless nights. <laughs> there are going to be more sleepless nights when they turn into teenagers. <sighs> we'll pray for you extra hard then. <laughs> there are going to be trouble ahead. There's gonna, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. It's so worth it. It's worth it. When we were, um, we were young, but my mom and dad, they, the boys, they all remember Jeremiah Dion, remember the rocks, all the rocks Nana made us pull up from the lake. So every time we would go over, we're like, oh, we're going to go visit Nana and Papa. We're going to go visit mom and dad, right? And so we we're coming over to have fun on a Sunday afternoon. She's like, hey guys, you want to come help me bring some buckets of rocks up, I don't know, what, 30 stairs? No, we don't. We just want to sit here Sunday afternoon. <laughs> but of course we would. And so we would get buckets of rocks because she was building something. She was always putting something together, building something. And so we would bring buckets of rocks up and build pathways and, um, you know, whatever she wanted us to build, maybe fire pits or whatever they were. But it was hard work. But it was worth it. It was worth it. Those memorial stones taking the time. They might even question why. Why are you making me go to church? 
I don't want to go to church. <laughs> Why are you making me do this? But building it, build the stones, it matters. Because they're going to need to look back one day and remember these stones. So we were, um, yeah, you can go ahead and put that picture up. So we were in Florida a couple days ago, and when we went down, um, my mom, she didn't even know we were, that I was going to speak about this, but we had a, a picture of the first one there. Is, it's a fire pit, but if you look closely, the little stones had Ben and Louie made one, and then, and then Mossy made one, but the, they made the stones, a circle of Gilgal. They made a memorial stones. And, and, you know, I thought the boys, she read it to the boys. They're like seven and eight or something like that. And, well, Massey's six. But they read the, she read the story to them. But, you know, most of the part, they were probably just playing. And when Massey got out there, he, he wrote his name on the stone. And then he was very disinterested. And he, he really took the stones and he just started. He's like, okay, thanks, Nana. And then he just starts smashing the stones. That's really all he was interested in was smashing these stones and smashing these stones. That's all he wanted to do. But you know what? Take the time to build the stones. Your kids might not realize it now. They might not know for sure what's happening now. But they're going to come back one day and they're going to say, you took the time. You took the time to build those stones with me. You took the time to teach me and remind me about God's covenant promises in my life. It's so important. Mom, Dad, it's so important for you, for them to see you, for them to hear you, for them to see you down on your knees praying, for them to, ser to see you serving God. Because you know what? When the devil comes to taunt you with illnesses, with rejection, with pain, with um, job loss, with all the ugly stuff that happens in the world, the real pain that goes on, they're going to remember. They're going to remember a powerful, real, living God because you took the time to show them the stones. You know, when they, when they crossed the Jordan, they were getting ready to go over. Moses had died, and they crossed on, on dry ground. And when they went over... The, the, the people, the Amorites, that they were getting ready to have to go and, and go against in war, they were scared. They're like, oh, we heard about God's power. We think we're going to not mess with them. Let's back off. And they didn't have to go over and fight them because God's powerful enough to show the enemy who is God. And so you need to experience him for yourself, church. We have to experience him for ourselves. There'll be a day that Raylan will have to experience God for herself. But her parents will be able to show her the stones. Let me tell you what these stones mean to me. Let me show you what God did and how he healed your great-grandpa. And how he answered your great-great-grandmother's prayers. And how you're an intercessor and how you build altars everywhere you go. Pastors Tossie and Rita. Your prayers will be answered when you're long gone because of that. Because of the stones that you have built it's worth it, church. So there's a covenant of identity, a covenant of experiences where we set up these memorials. I'll never forget early in my Christian life going to, you know, it was back in the early 90s when the camp meetings were a big thing, you know, and, and I would go to these camp meetings behind my father, Dr. Kayatu. So I'd be able to sit on the front row and have all of these experiences, these memorials. And later in life, when things would begin to unravel, 
I would think back to these moments that I encountered God powerfully. I would think back to these stones or these trees, these things, these experiences that I had that would testify to me and that would tell me I brought them through. Remember, I spoke a word a long time ago. I'm going to bring you through today. So it's important that we have these covenants. And last, I want to share with you as I close today is the covenant of family. And if you could, just lean in a little bit. Because everyone in here has someone in their family they're praying for. Everyone in here has a, has a son or a daughter. Not everyone, but a lot of people in here have sons and daughters who are backslidden. But there is a covenant God makes with families that's so powerful that, it's, that it snatches our kids out of the grips of hell and the anguish of the fire of damnation. It's found in, in Acts 16. It's all through the Bible if you look for it. Acts 16, the story of Paul when he's in prison. And they're, they're singing praise. And in the middle of the night, about the midnight hour, the Lord shows up. And suddenly there's an earthquake and the prison doors fling wide open. They have the chance to run away. The, the guard is about to kill himself. But Paul cries out, said, don't do it. Don't do it. We're still here. After looking at what happened, he goes to them and he says, what must I do to be saved? And this is their reply. Acts 16, 31 and 34. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone, read that, along with everyone in your household. I want you to see the power of your covenant with your God. It's so powerful, it snatches your kid even in the midst of rebellion. It's so powerful, it's more powerful than your willingness to surrender to him. And you need to write this down. I am a covenant connector. That God, you always, I always have people say, how is God going to do it? How many know, listen, do you know that there is like a four-day revival break that's, that's right now in Asbury University? To the day, they're about four days into a revival. These are children. These are zeers. These are millennials who have experienced the presence of God because somebody of covenant connection brought them in. And you need to know, you you got you to gotta write it down. I'm the covenant connector. Abraham, Noah, Noah, the grace was on Noah. Noah wasn't a type of Christ. No. There's better news. He was a type of Christian. He was a type of New Testament Christian. Jesus in the story was the ark. Jesus in this story is the ark. Noah is the covenant connection to the ark. I want you to know today, you are the covenant connection that everyone around you, your reason for existence today is because you are the covenant connection for your family. 
You are the covenant connection to the ark. The ark is Jesus. Dad came home the other day and he, he was telling us how he was doing a wedding. He has a wedding business. And, and a lot of times when he goes to these weddings, a, a lot of the, the young people, you know, kind of push him aside. They kind of like shove him around and say, go over there, stand over there. And they boss him around, you know. And, and Becca heard him telling the story. And, and, and she said, man, I wish I would have been there. I like when she talks like that. It makes me feel better about myself. You know what I mean? I'm like, yes, yeah, if, if she got that in her, I mean, yeah, okay, cool. You know, and she said, I wish I'd have been there. I'd have, I'd have let Admiral King out on them girls. Y'all don't know what Admiral King is out here. But listen, just Google that when you go home. That's inner city school over in, over in the Lorraine area, you know what I mean? Yeah. She said, I'd have let Admiral King out on them, you know? And I was like, cool, Beck, yeah, that's, you know? But I, I, I said it out loud. I said, man, man, they don't know who they're, who they're disregarding, do they? They're disregarding the covenant connection to the ark. This might be the one chance they got to make it on the ark, and they're over here shoving them aside, saying, go stand over there. We don't need you there. But God gave them another chance. He did one wedding on a beach and did the second wedding in a, in a building somewhere. I said, man, God, you love people so much. You give them so many graces on Noah. You see the grace on your life? It's not for you because it was for Noah's family. He said, listen, Noah, you got to go get your family. And whoever you bring on the ark, I got them. Whoever's connected to you, Noah, they'll be safe. There's some people connected to you I want you to know. You know, even in, in, the, in Acts there, even in Acts, earlier you go in that story, you go, you go a few verses back, there was another seller of purple there, this young, this young girl. She sold, pur, you know, she sold like merchandise, purple merchandise, and, and, uh, it, it, which speaks of like riches. And, and she gets saved, and, and they tell her, you and your family too. Not just you, but your family. So God's given this this covenant of family that preserves all of humanity. This is another story of Abraham. He had a nephew, Lot. You remember the story? And God said, whatever, whoever blesses you, I'm going to bless. Why? Because you're the covenant connection to me. So whoever blesses you, I'm going to bless them. And whoever curses you, Watch out. I, I kick him off the boat. And Lot, you know, Lot's connected to, to Abraham. And he starts to experience all the fullness of the covenant that Abraham has with the father. And I, I don't know, something happens, you know, like it always does in family. Something happens. And there's a fight over some goats or something. You know, you know how they do. We, we, we fight over goats. We fighting over goats, y'all. Fighting over goats. And, and instead of Lot repairing the relationship, he says, I'm leaving. I'm going to take my goats. I'm going to go. He, he severs his covenant connection 
to Abraham. When I saw this truth, I said, oh, God. I started making phone calls. No joke, no joke. I started making phone calls. I said, listen, I, 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 don't, I don't care what's between us. You are a covenant connection to me. And, and I need the blessing on your life to be on mine. So, so we got we to gotta, we gotta restore our covenant. We got we to gotta restore this. But you know the story. The story is that Lot, because Abraham looks at him and says, you could choose to go wherever you want. Why? It don't matter where I go because I'm connected. I'm the covenant connector. So it don't matter. I could go this way, that way, up, that. It don't matter where I go because I am the connection to the covenant. And Lot said, but Lot chooses out of his nature. Goes to Sodom. Goes down there. A few weeks go by. There's a war in the land. Gets taken hostage. He's in a fight. He gets taken hostage. He can't, he can't beat him. He, he can't win. He's in a fight. He can't win. He needs covenant connection. He's in a fight. He can't win. He makes a phone call. Hey, Uncle Abe. I had some uncles in high school. I had three uncles in high school. They was all older than me, and they was crazy. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I had three uncles. One, his name, and this is just, this is going to be enough. His name will be enough. He was Uncle Vern. If you got an Uncle Vern, you and I both know that's the one you call in when it gets sideways. I had an Uncle Vern. Now, I didn't call Uncle Vern until it got DEFCON 5, you know what I mean? I had this uncle, this other uncle's name was Uncle Johnny. Now, Uncle Johnny had a heart big as Texas. So if you call him... He was, he was flat crazy, man. He was, I seen him do stuff. Then I had an Uncle Carl. I watched Uncle Carl throw himself through the Little Caesars window off Broadway in Lorraine. Just cuz. Just cuz. I watched it. He sat the pizzas down. He said, you don't think. He sat the pizzas down and he took off running and ran through the window. Those is my uncle's. So whenever I got into trouble, I had covenant connection to the muscle, to the crazy. I had covenant connection. I could pick up the, nobody messed with me. Nobody did. You can ask Marlon. Nobody messed with me. Why? Because if you mess with, if you mess with Troy, you got to go, you, first you're going to deal with Johnny. And if Johnny don't get you, Carl will get you. And if Carl don't get you, he's going to call Vern. You got a covenant connection. He calls Abraham, says, come get me. I'm sorry. I severed a covenant I never should have. I need rescue. You know, family, God put a covenant in family to preserve our children, our sisters, our brothers, our neighbors. When they're in trouble, they're going to call you. When they're in trouble, you got to let them know I'm your covenant connection. Don't matter where you're at, you got to call me. Why? Because I'm connected to Jesus, and Jesus is the muscle. And if you call me, I'm going to call Jesus, and Jesus is going to come and fight for all of us. So there are three things we got to do. First of all, we got to repent. I mean, this is what I had to do, man. I had to repent. I, I started making phone calls, and I said, man, listen, I repent of cutting, severing 
my connection to you because of something foolish like goats. Something so trivial, like I'm, I'm fighting with you, but you, I'm, I'm going to need, you're going to need me, I'm going to need you. Like I need your covenant connection. We need to repent. And we need to, we need to be more loyal to, to our family. I know that's like a Christian cuss word anymore, loyalty. Nobody says it. Why? Because loyalty de- demands reciprocation of honor. It demands, like, I'm down for you, you're down for me. You don't leave. I got you, you got me. Right? Got you. Right. That's loyalty. We need more loyalty in kingdom. More like, I'm, I'm not, I don't care. I'm not leaving. I don't, I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care what the left says, the right says. I don't care. I'm not leaving. It's greater than that. I'm connected to you, man. We have covenant connection. We're family, and that means something. That means something, because God died for family. If I was the devil, if I was the devil, I would destroy the family. I would destroy it. I would yank it apart at its seams. I would make a man a woman and a woman a man. I would make the covenant of marriage of no consequence. I would make it disposable. I would make booty calls regular. That's real talk. I would make sex so, I wouldn't make it, I wouldn't make sex sacred anymore. I would make it common. I'd make it easy and make it cheap. I'd destroy the family. And when I destroyed the family, I'd go after every lot that's out there. I'd go get them, man. I'd go get them. And I'd capture and I'd take them hostage and I'd, I'd hook them up on drugs and I'd get them addicted to porn and I'd get them, I'd get them gossiping. I, I'd, get them, I'd get them swelled up with pride. I'd just sweep through the nation and take all the lots with me if I was the devil. So we need to repent. We need covenant connection. Secondly, what we need to do is Return to the old way. Jeremiah 16, or 616 says this. If you have it, if you could put it up there. Jeremiah 616. I, I want to read it for you. I love this verse. It says, it says, return to the old way. Return to the old way. Find the old path and walk in it. That's what it says. We got to go back. We got to go back and we got to walk in the old path of family. This is family. We're going to raise our children. We're not going to be conformed to the, to, the, to the likeness of this world. We're going to raise our families according to the old way. Stand in the ways and see. Ask God for what? The old past. Where the good way is. And walk in it. Walk in it. It's not going to be an easy path. It's going to be a little harder than the current path of compromise. But it's the good path. Let's walk in it. Let's raise our families according to the Bible. Who cares about the Grammys? Who cares about what, what Hollywood does? Who cares about what they say? Listen, we're going to raise, I'm going to ask for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. And let's become the covenant connection that God created us to be. I'm a covenant connector for the lost. Come on, let's stand on our feet as we close today. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you. 
I'm going to just close your eyes all over the room. Pastor Don mentioned earlier, there was such a reverence in Lorraine today. We almost didn't have service, but there was such a presence of God in the room. And you could sense that God's people are tired of man. They're weary. They're weary of man. They just want the glory of God. There's a generation here today. There's fire in your hands. You're younger, but there's fire in your hands. and it, You got that fire from your grandma, your mom, your dad. And God's telling you, don't despise it. Don't waste it. Spread it. Spread it. Father, I pray for everyone in this room. I declare in Jesus' name the covenant identity of Christ. You have the image and likeness of Jesus. I pray over everyone in this room, everyone watching, that God, we would be mindful of our testimony that's being created with every experience we have. That God, make us aware that every experience would drip with the presence of the King. God, remind us again of our covenant connection in our families. Father, I bless every person today under the sound of my voice, I declare in Jesus' name the blessing of the Father. If you're here today and you've never received Christ, I, I want you to know there's only two ways you leave this room. Repentant and going to heaven or destined to go to hell to a place that was never intended for you. It's just two ways. There's no middle way. No decision is a decision. If you're here today and you've never received Christ, this is your opportunity to call upon the name with me, Jesus. I should forgive me my sin. Come into my heart. Make me brand new. I give my life to you. I receive your righteousness now. Take my life and make, make it make a difference for your name, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you put your hands together for Jesus today? <laughs> Altar ministers are going to make their way forward. As altar ministers make their way forward, if you need prayer today, we want to pray for you. If you gave your heart to Jesus today, we especially want to pray for you. I want to encourage you to continue to live out the covenant of Christ in your life. If you're a visitor today, me and my wife will be out in the foyer. We'd love to hug your neck and tell you a little bit about our life and listen to your story. We love you. We're praying for you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of our service today.